Support for Lillo Podcasts comes from listeners like you who are masking up, washing their hands, and looking out for one another. DC for you. Welcome back to the DC Fandom discussion on the Lillo Podcast Network. This is, of course, the DC for You discussion of this past of last weekend's DC Fandom event was a huge Comic Con like uh, virtual event that DC Comics and Warner Brothers put together for fans since uh, we had no cons this year and. They took full advantage of it, uh, giving us a plethora of things to uh, to mull over and to to love and enjoy uh, as uh, as DC fans. And uh, of course, what it, event would be complete without me and Todd here to talk about all things DC that we loved and that we liked and that we found a little boring and maybe outright despised uh, about DC fandom mm-hmm. because it, it really mm-hmm. ran the gamut. It was all things, uh, hopefully for all people. We're going to find something that uh, that everybody loved, and I know that uh, we will also get a little controversial in this episode, uh, such as Perhaps. it is. Perhaps. Yes, and there's Todd. Uh, oh, Todd, hi there. Yes. Uh, I can't do this show without Todd, so uh, Todd, how are you doing tonight, man? Lilo, I don't want to say Lilo Universe, but Lilo listeners, there we go. How's it going? Welcome back to DC4U, and uh, welcome to our fandom coverage of at least the first half of DC's All Things to All People event. The original plan was for them to throw in multiple panels at the same time, as I understand it, and you're going to have to make choices. But they they altered that uh, as they approached the date. There was just too much stuff coming down the pipe. So this first date, September, I'm sorry, August 22nd, Saturday, was an all-day event, and it kind of focused on the non-comic book announcements from DC. Correct. Uh, and I thought that was smart of them. I, I was like, you know, cramming all that stuff together was going to be really difficult for people to make decisions on. And I knew that whenever uh, they originally set up their website, I was making my own little like schedule of uh, panels I wanted to see. And I noticed a ton of overlap in mine. Right. Uh, it, it was, it was too much. It was too much to cram into one day. So it was a lot smarter to space it, to space it out into two days. And it kept you watching the whole time. Like you wouldn't want to get up because all of these, most of these panels, anyway, were going to be really interesting, and that they flow from one right into the other. Yeah, uh, and you don't have to change rooms, you don't have to change halls, none of that. Man, this feels like it will be the future of of cons, or at least it should be. DC, so Marvel, yeah. 
they should absolutely do events like this every year. It was absolutely fantastic, and they they really pulled it off so well. I I I'm right there with you. I was so impressed with with how well this went. Um, yeah, and uh, as Jim Lee, who was kind of the de facto host, it felt felt like you know, and Jim was kind of involved in many of the panels and w- was well on, on the DC corporate side. He's probably the best representative they have at this point. Um, he he talked about how much preparation and engineering was going in, and they did a fantastic job of making it seamless. So props to them. And yeah, uh, if I think the original plan was to be like a real con where you have to make those choices and you're going to miss out on stuff. But here, this was better because all eyes were on whatever the panel that was happening. Everybody was watching that and reacting to it in real time on Twitter. Uh, how did you watch the content? Uh, funnily enough, I pulled up the web browser on my PlayStation 4 and went to the website through that, and it streamed uh, on my television in high def. Uh, so I was uh, fortunate to be able to do that and not have to you know, mirror my Samsung uh, phone or tablet to my uh, uh, TCL television, which was one of my original plans. But when I discovered that the, uh, the web browser for the PlayStation uh, would uh, run it just fine. I just did that. And for the most part, it was a smooth experience. Only a couple of times did it kind of slow down and get bogged down mm-hmm. and lock up on me. But, uh, you know, that was, that was actually one of the smoothest experiences. It was smoother than I expected. I was kind of thinking, oh, this, this is all such a great idea, but we, we've all been there when it comes to uh, DC and Warner Brothers and their really great sounding ideas and uh, versus their execution. Uh, <laughs> yes that's that's been a uh, a notorious sticking point with us fans but man they they pulled this one off i big props to how well they did this uh, so with uh what uh what about you were you watching this on your phone or were you, were you uh on a tablet yeah uh, i i slept in tenage? so i missed i missed <laughs> the first portion but i was kind of keeping track of what you guys were talking about in the chat and the, i'm sorry the top secret uh, lilo editors chat and uh, ah. I eventually found a stream on YouTube, and I have an Apple TV, so I watched the YouTube on my television, on my couch, all yeah. day with, with my pork rinds because I'm doing keto there you go. Uh, throughout the day. And it was, it was glorious because the video content uh, was, like you said, high def and uh, nonstop. I really enjoyed just how smooth it was to watch it from my, from my couch. And... Uh, had my my attention the whole day, and then well, for after I logged on, and you know my family was checking out a lot of it too, and and it's hard for me to get my family to uh, agree on watching anything, you know. Uh, yeah. Only only towards the end did my older son say, "Why would you do this? Why would you watch this all day? Is this like WrestleMania?" <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. Uh, it's kind of like a WrestleMania for the day, you know. Um, I I what what a great day it was for for. DC fans and uh, you know what what do DC do better than Marvel at this point pretty much television has been it right so if we're, we're yeah what and, and we didn't get a whole lot of coverage of DC TV which is interesting um, didn't get a lot of Star Stargirl news or right off of that successful first season we did get a flash trailer and we'll talk about that but uh, yeah it was very kind of kind of uh more stilted towards other things besides the 
CW TV, which they have so well established, even though there's crazy stuff going on with, say, Batwoman and who knows what's going to happen with all the filming complications due to COVID. But yeah. uh, th this was more about the stuff they already had in the bag. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was one of the that was pretty much the only television side of it that we got was the Flash. Everything else was focused on uh, movies, a little bit of comic stuff. Uh, and uh, some video games, so we'll uh, we'll definitely go down the the line. We're gonna kind of go in a chronological order of the schedule of the day, and uh, just to acknowledge how my experience was, uh, my wonderful fiance uh, knew that I wanted to spend my day doing this, so uh, we've got a whole lot of stuff going on in our lives right now, uh, planning a wedding and uh, also moving into a new house. Uh, so that morning, like we did all the the stuff that we like really needed to do, which really wasn't that much. It actually took less time to get done than I thought. And then she was like, "Okay, let's get home, set this up." And to her credit, she sat there and watched most of it with me. She actually got really interested in several panels. Yeah. So that was uh, that's the power of an event like this. It can get people's attention. It can make you want to learn more about these things. So, uh, and given that they had like 22 million people watching it, uh, at one time, I, I think we're going to see more of these events, uh, happening pretty much just like this in the future. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the future looks bright for that. And uh, they, you know, they didn't charge for this. They didn't really run commercial commercials for it. But think of all the free advertising they're getting in, pardon me, in the week, in the week since then, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you can't pay for that. This show advertising in word of mouth. Including us. Yeah. <laughs> Notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're pretty much throwing them a bone. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get into that. We're going to go ahead and just run down the panels and talk about like what we, uh, what we really liked and what we didn't. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, we do uh, we do need to acknowledge one thing. Uh, we're recording this uh, on August 28th, uh, the night of August 28th, uh, and just literally minutes before we sat down to do this, we learned of the uh, the passing of Chadwick Boseman at the age of 43 due to uh, uh, stage four colon cancer. Uh, Chadwick, of course. Uh, famous for playing uh, characters like uh, Jackie Robinson and James Brown, but uh, most notably for us, uh, he played T'Challa, the Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And while this is not a Marvel podcast, we do want to acknowledge uh, the importance of uh, Chadwick in the MCU, in film in general, and just how devastating a loss this is to uh, – his like his family his friends and of course to the entire uh geek and comics community uh he he was one of the absolute best and uh he he pushed things forward in a really big way as far as like representation yeah. uh on the screen and that was that was invaluable to the world and uh he is going to be sorely sorely missed He's irreplaceable. This is, the the world is a, a a. I feel like the world is a little lesser now with him gone. I haven't felt like the this kind of devastating hit. I don't think we've felt anything quite like this uh, since Heath Ledger died. Right. And, 
in, uh, in 2008. That was, that's the, the biggest comparison or the best comparison I have, uh, for it to give it scale. But, um, you know, thoughts with his, his family and friends, all his loved ones, of course, that's, uh, their, their loss is, uh, is probably beyond words is beyond. I, I can't imagine what they must be going through right now, but, you know, hug your loved ones folks because uh life is fragile and cancer is something that can affect anyone at any time uh and chadwick was only 43 years old and he he was diagnosed back in 2016 which means he filmed several highly physically demanding Mm -hmm. films while he was sick and going through cancer treatments and uh he kept it quiet because he didn't want anybody to know but uh i think that shows that he was a lot stronger than anybody ever really realized um so uh as tributes go that's really uh, i'm not very good at it but I, I i will acknowledge that he's uh he was definitely a hero to me and to a lot of people so he's uh he's going to be missed by by everyone i think um yeah, yeah and and it is it's significant and profound that he died today which was jackie robinson day yeah, no, kind of the unofficial holiday where you remember the Dodger signing and bringing um, breaking the color barrier, and Chadwick portrayed Jackie Robinson in 40, the movie Forty Two, uh, iconic actor. Everything I saw of him was fantastic. Uh, he embodied Prince T'Challa, later King T'Challa, um, amazing Black Panther, and uh, just think about what that represent, representation means to young black kids in America and all over the world and to, to see an actual black Marvel superhero on screen. And he was it. Uh, also today is, uh, would have been Jack Kirby's 103rd birthday and Jack Kirby is, you know, uh, visually created black Panther with Stan Lee. So just pretty, pretty significant, um, coincidences and imagine the dignity of, of going through and being, heroic and iconic and just a fantastic actor without compromises during this horrible, horrible cancer diagnosis and treatment. Um, just, just floors me, uh, that we're, we're talking about this today and, you know, well, stories will come out and develop more and we'll learn more about his legacy, but, uh, just, he will be missed. And, um, I, I wish I could come up with more words that, uh, are worthy of him and his performances because he was tremendous and uh rest in peace chadwick yeah i think that uh i think the last thing that we can really say on it is uh wakanda forever wakanda forever yep that was my first he's, thought too was just that, that says it all he is uh yeah that's that's going to be hitting us for a, a a long time but uh but let's try to bring this back let's try to let, yeah. let's get some positivity going yeah. on tonight because we got a lot of positive to talk about on this show um and i want to kick things off of course uh you missed this panel i think because you may have uh you may have still been asleep whenever it aired live but they <laughs> uh, they kicked off in a big bad way at dc fandom with uh the wonder woman 1984 panel um uh, and of course, they had uh, the main cast along with uh, director Patty Jenkins, uh, you know, answering fan questions, talking about uh, the the process of filming the movie. And uh, I, I got to tell you, man, just watching Gal Gadot, uh, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, uh, uh, 
Pedro Pascal and uh, Patty Jenkins all there, like just together talking about this movie. You can you could feel the enthusiasm for what they were doing. You could tell that everybody really loved being able to uh, to work together to to make this into something big, special, and fun. Uh, I, I just I find them infectious just listening to them. Uh, uh, yeah, and effervescent and definitely a uh, great great cast. I am relieved to see Chris Pine going a little gray. That makes that brings joy to my heart. <laughs> it uh-huh. makes you feel a little better about getting old. Yeah, as I I am. And you know that first Wonder Woman trailer with the New Order song and all of, all of the iconic stuff. There's my word of the day. If 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 you were looking for a, a drinking game, count the number of times Todd Weber says iconic in this podcast. Um, but that original Wonder Woman trailer I'd seen so many times and I'd never get tired of it. But we got even more. Uh, plus we had some special guests drop in on the panel. We did uh, Linda Carter, the original. Uh on-screen Wonder Woman dropped in uh, as a surprise guest just to, uh, you know, because they said, you know, it really wouldn't be uh, a Wonder Woman panel without her. And it was, uh, it was pretty much right after that, that they introduced the brand new uh, Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. Uh, And of course this movie has been finished for a long while and it's just been delayed and delayed in theaters due to the pandemic. Uh, but they're determined to get it in theaters. And after seeing that, uh, that new trailer, I think I agree with that assessment. How about you? You know, I don't know. I'm such so ambivalent about going to the theater. And I, I, I know that these, there are contracts like new mutants, apparently in the contract with Fox had to air in a theater. Um, it's ironclad and whether it's successful or not, um, I, and I have to think, think Christopher Nolan the same way with Tenet. Uh, of course, it's going to look better on the big screen. It's just, are you willing to potentially get your loved ones sick and die? Um, yeah. I, I'm just not ready to brave theaters uh, until uh, until we're on the other side of this. So, sure. <laughs> so as soon as I can legally watch this, I will. Uh, but from the comfort of my own home with my beautiful, uh, I'm descending into three-year Letterman territory here but my my magnificent <laughs> 70 inch samsung uh tv with my apple tv 4k and my uh stereo home pods and maybe i'll have a subwoofer by then and replicate the theatrical experience in my living room but i i cannot wait to see it um maxwell lord has been a great character for me to read since the mid 80s and justice league international book and then uh his very important heel turn in because we're not setting up spoiling anything he is one of the main villains of this piece um in in the uh, countdown to infinite crisis or that which i believe i believe uh he took over checkmate and kind of went murdered blue beetle essentially and uh you know he and diana have some history because of those events it'll be very interesting to see him set up as this motivational guru played by pedro pascal who just everything he's in is great at this point from game of yeah. thrones to to the mandalorian now to wonder woman 84 that guy is red hot yeah i mean he is he's on fire right now so this this is the uh the time of pedro pascal and good on him you know he, he's got a lot of good stuff going on i can't wait to see him as max lord uh oh narcos yeah. too i forgot narcos uh, he's narcos, great yep. yeah uh we uh we got a little bit more of the story set up 
for uh, Wonder Woman 84, at least as far as uh, Steve Trevor's return. I think it's probably tied to, uh, yeah, to Max Lord directly. I think so too, which is going to be tragic, but we think, but maybe maybe they write their, their way out of that. We're being speculative, but I believe I, I am of the same opinion. You know, yeah, that's, I think that's that's why I came came back, right? It's these uh, wish your your grandest wishes are are fulfilled, right? Uh, yeah, I think that I mean that seems to be his whole shtick, and that seems like it would be Diana's greatest wish is to have him back. Uh, but we got to address the uh, the uh, big cat in the room uh, with Cheetah. And how uh, a lot of the online community said that uh, they can't unsee it as uh, cats. That that unfortunate mm. CGI yeah. movie. Uh, personally, I thought that uh, Kristen Wiig was looking pretty awesome uh, as her transformation, uh, like slowly turns her into the classic cheetah that we uh, we all know and love. Uh, looking forward to that fight scene. I thought it looked really good in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And and the gold armor, the George Perez yeah. Perez yes. uh, inspired gold armor with wings and the, the sword and just I can't wait. Uh, yeah, all of that looks really, really awesome. So Wonder Woman eighty four, uh, you know, I think it's a uh, I think it's going to do really well. I think that one's going to be uh, another big hit for Warner Brothers, and uh, hopefully the movie's as good or better than the uh, the first film, which I I still really like a lot. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and in retrospect, the only thing I dislike about the first film is that kind of early uh, DCEU villain trope at the end with just weird CGI and with, with Ares there, so. Yeah, and uh, before we uh, we went to record this show uh, yesterday, I put up a, a little poll uh, for uh, people to vote on which trailer of the four big trailers that we got – uh, that they like the best. And uh, Wonder Woman 1984 came in third place in our poll, uh, getting uh, just 8% of the vote. I am a little surprised by that. Thought it would be higher, mm. but... Uh, it's, it's not the new hotness that... It's uh, not. To, if, to quote one of your old your old column titles. Uh, old um, column title. You know, right. we've had, we've had a, a trailer for Wonder Woman... For over a year, the the big deal is that we got Cheetah now, so yeah, and, and uh, it looks cool. I think it does. Uh, I would have, I think I would have probably placed this one uh, tied for second with for me uh, as far as the trailers of the day go. But uh, but that's it for the Wonder Woman eighty four panel. It looks cool. We're excited to see it. Uh, another thing that looked really really freaking cool uh, was the finally we got the announcement from uh, WB Games Montreal. Uh, what Batman game they've been working on, and it was uh, Gotham Knights, a uh, a action RP action adventure RPG uh, set in the world of Gotham City, where uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, and uh, Commissioner Gordon are all dead. And, everybody's dead. Yeah, basically everybody's dead, and you get to play as one of four heroes: Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin, Tim Drake. Or uh, Jason Todd, the Red Hood. Did they and confirm it, it's Tim Drake or is it Damien? Because he kind of has a Damien costume going on. A little bit of a Damien costume, but this uh, game does not take place in the world of oh, okay. uh, Arkham Asylum or the uh, the Batman Arkham universe. This is a separate thing. 
and it is Tim Drake uh, who will be uh, fighting alongside the uh, the other heroes. So I thought the trailer was absolutely wonderful, and now we know why. Uh, like Scott Snyder has been so excited on Twitter to tell us all about this game and has uh, has been having to delete some tweets here and there because they finally confirmed that the Court of Owls yes. will be a major presence in this game. Um, and not for nothing, we also got uh, the Belfry, which was introduced by uh, James oh, Tanyan IV. What an amazing it, visual that was. Yes, absolutely. Uh, created by James Tanyan IV and Eddie Barrows. Uh, in their detective comics run uh, from 2016, a uh, a tremendous bit of deep cut uh, comics that uh, I am I know they had to be just so thrilled to see that uh, in action. And uh, speaking of action, I think that this game looks like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, the the beat 'em up style uh, and being able to like enhance your bat armor and gear. Uh, through like leveling up, leveling up, uh, yeah. uh, playing online with friends is it seems to be like uh, pretty much relegated to maybe one like maybe one other person like two people can play together, mm-hmm. but it also has a heavy emphasis on the story campaign, the solo player campaign. So if you want to play it that way, you absolutely can, and it'll work fine. Uh, seeing all of that, this is a day one purchase for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be a pre-order for me too. Um, Mr. Freeze looked cool as heck too. <laughs> yeah, he did. I, I thought that boss fight looked really cool. Uh, but of course the thing I'm like most, uh, bat fans of the last few years, I think the most, the thing I'm excited most about is seeing the court of owls in action. Like, how is that going to play into the story? Oh my God. Are they going to do something really crazy and ballsy? Like give us that, uh, the court of owls maze, uh, from, I think it was a Batman issue, uh, five, I think right. from Scott Snyder and Greg. Yeah, well, can you imagine that in a video game? That would be Jesus. fantastic. Just, oh, the screen's upside down now. <laughs> <laughs> now I had to flip myself upside down to keep the orientation right. God, yeah. ah, man, that would that would blow so many minds. I I don't know how we would handle it. Uh, but yeah, day one purchase for sure. I know some people are complaining about. Uh, I think there may be some possible microtransactions or something going in the game. I hope there's not too many or none at all by the time it actually comes out. But yeah, that's, I'm, I'm still in, I'm, I'm all in on this. I love the way this looks. It uh, uh, looks like it's going to be so much fun. Uh, now, yeah, interesting who, who introduced that panel too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of a video game geek or, you know, throw back to Chuck, that's, right? I think it's because he's a video game nerd, but it was a bit of a swerve. When I saw Zachary Levi on the screen, I was like, are they about to introduce a Shazam game? Yeah. Is that is that where we're headed right now? Uh, because that would be really cool. I'd be down for that. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential in it. But uh, but no, he, he flips the script on us and says, nope, it's Gotham Knights. I was like, okay, I'm in. This is, uh, this is really great. Uh, now we're moving into uh, the next. The next panel up was the uh, the Sandman universe. Uh, Enter the Dreaming, and honestly, this was a uh, pretty much a, just a, a love fest for uh, for Neil Gaiman, who was the uh, of course the main guest for the panel. Uh, 
the ones that I didn't recognize a couple of the others, but he and G Willow Wilson like really stood out to me. Right. Uh, and listening to them talk and just their, you know, the genuine love for uh, for Sandman, all things Sandman, really is just a lot of uh, pure enjoyment. Just listening to their enthusiasm. Now, I'm not like a huge Sandman fan myself, but I. I did get a little excited there whenever uh, Neil Gaiman was talking about the television show. Right. Um, we got some tidbits. Yeah, he was like he was dropping little bits in there about what to expect for that. Uh, I did not expect them to say that it was going to take place in the modern day, but right. I Post-COVID. am. Post-COVID. <laughs> Integrated. Yeah, that. right? Yeah. Uh, actually, that might that should work out really well, you know, <laughs> the confined to the house <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, because I have read at least the the first few volumes of Sandman, and uh, I am going to go back and uh, reread those at some point oh, yeah. because uh, we need to talk about that on a later show, and we also need to talk about the uh, the audio drama that right. uh, on, you and I both picked it up from Audible, right? Yes, I have picked it up. I just not started on it yet. It's but, pretty uh, good. I've only made it through the first uh, couple chapters, but a very very faithful adaptation and great vocal performances. Uh, James McAvoy as morpheus himself and uh michael sheen as satan as lucifer who who is uh well it was an interesting casting but um especially because he recently acted in a, another neil gaiman adaptation on amazon good omens and he played an angel so nice uh, and, and he is one of my favorite actors he's all he does very interesting noteworthy stuff stuff like uh the the tron sequel and uh, I Masters and Johnson, I believe, was the show. I don't know. It's called Sex Masters. Anyway, uh, great actor um, and definitely enjoys working with Neil. You can tell. And Sandman is one of my baseline um, lifeblood comic series that I, I read starting in my first year of college, which uh, Nick Nick Duke was two years old. I will tell you. So, <laughs> so I've been reading Sandman for a long time. Uh, and again, it's a great couples book. Uh, you you will both. You know, I would read it together and uh, encourage you to have discussions and very, I don't want to say woke, but very socially conscious um, That's stuff. And there's there's concepts that I introduced in Sandman that uh, I, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with and just handled very, very well uh, with dignity in class and, and uh, very imaginative stuff, especially the way he weaves in things, discarded concepts like Jack Kirby's Sandman series from the 70s is tied into the Sandman universe. Um, very amazing. And G. Willow Wilson, Wilson had been teasing that she had a, a dream project that she left Wonder Woman for, and here we go. So she'll be she'll be doing a, a Sandman universe spinoff, even though there have been some recent cuts, like the uh, Hellblazer book that's, that part, was part of this universe is no longer going on. The Books of Magic, which was part of this universe, that's not going on. But it was nice to have an actual... Uh, panel that referenced co- real comic books <laughs> absolutely like that was there weren't many of those uh in this first day of dc fandom they've definitely saved all of that for september yeah. as uh, far as announced ones i think this was it for the ones they had actually pretty uh, much scheduled uh after like, after this one they did a a multiverse 101 panel which was just kind of a an overview of the like how the dc multiverse works but eh, that's it was kind of to fill some time, I think. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I would with Berlanti there. I thought they would talk more TV, but it really didn't talk much about yeah, that. That was kind that of was a, a reactive panel. Like we don't have a lot we can talk about right here, but 
you know, Jim Lee yeah. on Jim Lee as ambassador is always good. Uh, so yeah, that that was pretty much uh, all they they really talked about. I mean, there was the uh, uh, discussion with I believe Hamada was on this uh, yes. on this big panel. Boss. Yeah, uh, the big boss of all things uh, DC film for, and television. Yeah, <laughs> like your your days could be number two, buddy. Yeah, but uh, but I did like the acknowledgement that everything you have seen uh, counts. Nothing is invalid. Everything is tied together through the multiverse. It was the mm-hmm. idea that all the TV shows, all the past movies, all the upcoming future movies, uh, regardless, it is all connected together in a way that uh, DC can certainly do probably better than Marvel could do it because the multiverse has always been uh, one of the main tethers for uh, DC's entire uh, existence. Yeah. So that brings us to the flash panel, the introducing flash panel uh, that I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but uh, Andy machete, I think he's a good boy. Sorry. Yeah. He's a, uh, he is the director of, and uh, yeah, the director. I guess he's going to be a producer on the uh, the new Flash movie that's coming out with Ezra Miller. Uh, that we now know is going to uh, be a probably loose adaptation of Jeff Johns's uh, Flashpoint story. Right, right. And which uh, kind of set up the new Fifty Two. It created a yep. a big boom and a reboot point for DC. Um, but this this project's had a lot of different people at the helm, hasn't it? It has. It uh, Rick Famuyiwa was a uh, was the the guy I was most excited about. He directed that movie Dope, which I thought was really good. Oh, Dope is very good, yeah. And he's uh, directed a couple of episodes of The Mandalorian, uh, so he's he's now in the Star Wars universe. But uh, creative differences forced him off the project, which I think is the story for uh, uh, a lot of people. Uh, Lord Miller from uh, Lord Miller were from, yeah. from the. Uh, Aborted Han Solo project. Uh, semi, the semi-aborted yeah, yeah. <laughs> Han Solo movie. And the um, they also did Lego Batman. I think they did Lego Batman. Yeah, Am I right? yeah they, they did the Lego that. Movie. So, mm-hmm. or, yeah, the Lego movie, not Lego Batman. They did the Lego movie. Uh, they were going to uh, be the original creative team on this years and years ago. But, uh, but now we've got uh, Andy and his sister, uh, Barbara, Working with uh, uh, Christina Hodson, who I believe also wrote the uh, Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey movie. I think that's uh, one of her credits. Okay. Um, but they uh, confirm, of course, that the Michael Keaton Batman is going to be a part of this movie as uh, as Flash goes into the Speed Force and into the multiverse. They don't divulge a ton of like major story beats, but one would have to assume that it involves Barry trying to save his mother and uh, basically save his whole family, like save his mother and his father. I mean, there are other Flash stories you can tell, but that's the one they want to keep telling, you know? Yep. But and, that's okay. I mean, we haven't seen that in the in the movies, and we uh, got to look at his new suit, and we also heard about a different Batman besides Michael Keaton. Yeah, we did. Uh, confirmation that Ben Affleck will reprise his role as Batman uh for this movie and honestly i think that i feel like this movie is going to be an end point for both keaton and for uh for affleck i think affleck and rightly so wanted a uh, a better send-off 
than what Justice League gave his character. And yeah, he's had some time and uh, some, been able to put some distance between him and Justice League. And now he's like, you know what? I don't have to lead this movie. I don't have to like carry this whole thing and I don't have to mm-hmm. probably spend a lot of time in that suit. So uh, why not? Like, let's let's give it a shot. And uh, also uh, it was said that uh, Affleck gave notes on his character, like kind of rewrote a couple of things about his version of Batman before he agreed to come on. But since they let him do it, he was like, sure, uh, sign me up. Let me do this. And uh you know, I'm I'm still not high on Ezra Miller as the Flash, but I think in the right hands, uh, like the right director, right writer, uh, they could turn out something that would at least be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And and I got to tell you, I think that I mean they've revealed these two surprises: Michael Keaton coming back as uh, as an old Bruce Wayne along the side of uh, Ben Affleck, and you know who knows who else may wind up in this thing. Yeah, he he definitely is being at least in the the concept art is shown as an older version of the uh, Tim Burton Batman, which, you know, you hear flashpoint, you think, Oh, well, Thomas Wayne Batman, but we did not get that. Um, The other thing I wanted to Ezra Miller, I've been very sour on uh, from both his appearance in Batman versus Superman and just on off screen and, especially 2017's Justice League, and we were talking about Affleck. We didn't want him – he didn't want that to be his last legacy as the character. But that movie is – I don't think you can pin the faults of that movie on any one person. <laughs> it was just a, no, a CF uh, deluxe. And uh, as far as Ezra Miller goes, I think he – I don't want to say endeared, but he may have um, may have gained a few, few good – you know, karma points by appearing in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on DC Universe, or I'm sorry, uh, DC TV. Uh-huh. So, you know, that was that was a true surprise and made me think, okay, maybe he really does get this character. You know, I liked how they uh, included that in this panel too. How they talked about that as mm-hmm. being the thing that opened the floodgates for them to be able to do something like this, like to. To do if they did it successfully on television, they were like, we can do it successfully in the movies. And it's also going to be interesting to say that you know Ezra Miller is never called the Flash in Justice League. They never give him a code name, and it's going to turn out that he got his name from the Grant Gustin Flash. Uh, that's what. That's why he's going to call himself that. Which and, is a, well, I don't know if it's a nod to. Uh, Crisis on no, it was the original story, the uh, the Flash of Two Worlds. Flash of Two Worlds. Thank you. I was going to say Crisis yeah. on Earth too, but that's a Justice League story. Yeah, flat where Flash is inspired by reading the Flash comic book. I think is that where you were going with that? Yeah, sort of. Sorry and uh, and also just that uh, I think that we may actually see. My speculation is that we're going to get a Grant a uh, Grant Gustin cameo in this Flash movie. I think that he's uh, we're going to get multiple flashes uh introduced as well now does that lead to uh a uh dream of mine of them recasting uh barry <laughs> allen and just not telling ezra miller until the movie's out and he's like uh, what the hell is this <laughs> I, I think they're married to him at this point i don't know yeah they, they I, I, I don't know what, what the future holds with um, the multiverse and everything but there is a there is another trailer that we'll talk about later that uh 
actually gave me a little hope for him because it seemed like he was being a little bit more serious tone in it. Uh, so I'm thinking, you know, may, maybe he can pull this off. I need to wait and see, but I like I like what they're putting down on the table for this Flashpoint movie so far. I'm still not sold on Ezra Miller. I don't think that he's going to ever really be the Flash for me, but uh, – just as a story and as a movie, I think this has some real potential. Uh, I'm hoping that it will also maybe give us uh, another Henry Cavill Superman moment, and uh, and who knows, maybe maybe we'll get a, a Tyler Hecklin Superman appearance in there too. Anything is possible when it comes to uh, to this Flash movie. So. Speaking of anything possible, the next panel was one that was probably one of the most highly anticipated of the entire day uh, because James Gunn was going to give us our first look at the Suicide Squad. And boy, did he bring the house uh, with this one. He brought pretty much the entire cast of the movie and put them all up on like little screens. Everybody was, of course, in their homes uh, or wherever, just chilling, like, you know, very relaxed thing, with the exception of maybe John Cena, who was the only one in a full suit, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he, he was serious. Um, nobody is wearing suits during the pandemic, but John John Cena is because yeah. uh, <laughs> it, his because ears are looking bigger and bigger to me. But uh, Yeah, they really well, are. Appreciate his enthusiasm for this project. Let's talk about it. It's uh, suicide, the Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad Two, but the Suicide Squad, and we got the actual cast reveal. And all we've seen all these actors being rumored to be shooting, and it, apparently shooting is wrapped. You know, they're in editing and post production yep. now. Uh, who are you most excited about as far as the casting reveals? Oh man. Um... Honestly, I was really looking forward to finding out who John Cena was playing because I wanted it to be the most over-the-top possible character that they could could give him. Uh, my fingers were crossed that he was going to be Kite Man, honestly. But uh, <laughs> Tom King, but, Kite Man, or or Harley yeah, the Kite, uh, yeah, that version of Kite Man, the hell, the Kite Man, hell yeah, version. That's uh, what I wanted. But <laughs> but they gave me something just as good. I think he is playing a character named Peacemaker. Yes. Classic Charlton comics character from uh, the uh, pre-crisis. Yes, and a he's a peace at all cost kind of character. Think of Captain America, but with the douchebaggery cranked up to about eleven. That's that's Peacemaker. I can't wait to see that on screen. And we saw the ca- the costume and the chromed out helmet. And my you know, gosh. Alan Moore wrote Watchmen as uh, initially an adaptation of the Charlton Heroes, Blue Beetle and Captain Atom and Peacemaker among them. And Peacemaker's analog was the comedian. So just think about having a full comedian movie with all the action, um, but directed by James Gunn. Oh, my goodness. And John Cena, who is uh, can be a clown at times, which is great. You know, he uh, he does not take himself too seriously. And he's shown he's got some acting chops in the. Fast and Furious movies, and this is what he's doing all the time now. And uh, I'm thrilled to see another wrestler come to life in a uh, major superhero franchise. Uh, I I can't agree more, man. I I think he is going to. I think he stands a chance of stealing the show. I also think that he's going to die, <laughs> like like really horribly. Um, 
Another character that I can't believe that he pulled out was Polka Dot Man. <laughs> Polka Dot Man, yeah, the uh, very obscure Batman villain, I think. He uh, is. Uh, <laughs> just, just you got to be kidding me, man. Um, and we've also got like Rat Catcher too. Didn't right. see that one a, a female Rat Catcher, and they're talking about her quite a bit. So it could be an interesting uh, one to keep an eye on. I I remember that character from the Norm Brayfogle era of Batman detective comics in the late eighties. Um, but not notable, just kind of a mort. Right. So that's kind of the idea that James Gunn is doing with these B B listers, uh, not just the traditional suicide squad, but going deeper in the DC universe to pull these characters that he can be James Gunn with. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, I think that's what's going to make this movie so good is that James Gunn and clearly everybody on that panel was having an absolute blast. Yeah, they are all in it, and they love James Gunn. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it goes to show you that everybody who works with this guy loves him with the exception of maybe Michael Rooker, who was the most put upon, <laughs> the most put upon guy on the whole panel. Yeah. <laughs> like you, they, you know, Michael Rooker is the uh, Lindsey Buckingham to uh, DeAndre <laughs> from, from uh, what up with that? I don't know if you know, know the Um, reference i'm going with from saturday night live but yeah he tortures him in everything uh and michael rooker is playing savant uh and looks like man they went super comic booky with the costumes and i am loving it uh i i love that this is so over the top uh and you know he's gonna die in some horrible horrible way uh and speaking of that uh speaking of people that are just like perfectly cast for the roles that they're in peter capaldi as the thinker yeah that's fantastic man i can't wait to see that on screen that is going to be so freaking good um my god nathan fillion is playing arm fall off boy (laughs) well they're calling him tdk which probably means the detachable kid or something but yeah he is arm fall off boy who is a legion of superheroes character hey mitch who um can lose a limb at will what a great power (laughs) <laughs> he was from maybe That's, one or two random issues of Legion back in the day and uh, was so terrible that he's been a n- notorious punchline ever since. And James Gunn's going to use him. And you know, why not? Why not? We're getting we're getting freaking King Shark. And it looks like the the footage that we see, it's not a full trailer. It's just a, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, kind of a little making of featurette that they showed us. But I swear, it looks like we're going to see King Shark fully pick someone up and just, like, munch on them, yep. just, like, bite right into yep. them. So I'm like, are they going for the R rating on this? Are they really going to let James so. Gunn unleash? Yeah, I, they, I hope so. But, yeah, King King Shark had himself a weekend. <laughs> man, King Shark owned DC fandom. I, I think we we have to acknowledge that because he had so many good moments. And uh, one of my favorites was in that little brief snippet of him. Uh, but it looks like it's a, a cutover gag that they do with uh, somebody looking back at him. Like he's done something super hyper violent and he just kind of looks up, smiles and waves. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like I can't perfect. wait. Cannot wait to see him on screen. And we've seen him on the, the flash, but they are on CW budget there. And yeah. uh, we're going to give him a lot more character here. And how about Idris Elba as Bloodsport? So, I hope he doesn't die. I know he's the he's the Will Smith Deadshot stand-in because Will didn't want to come back and do this movie uh, because the first one, frankly, sucked. But he, uh, I think Will wants back in now, now that he's seen how much fun this all looks like. 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see James Gunn direct Will Smith, but Idris Elba is a great actor. We've seen him in a million things. And again, another guy who's crossing over from the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as Heimdall to DC. And he's going to be Bloodsport, who is a not so classic Superman villain, but from John Byrne's run, he kind of he played a uh, Vietnam vet who came back uh, Ramboized. So yes. it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, Gun uses him in Suicide Squad. But yeah, he is a ultra violent right. adversary for Superman who had a tragic past. So and, and uh, backstory, you know, he's a a dad and there's other stuff going on. Great character uh, for at least a couple early Superman issues, and we'll see what happens. Uh, and of course, we're getting the classic Suicide Squad cast back in this uh, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie. Uh, so this is going to act as kind of a pseudo sequel to uh, the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, we're also getting uh, Joel Kinnaman is back as Rick Flag. Is that the same uh, actor who played Rick Flag before? Yes, Joel okay. Kinnaman played him. That's before. how that's how memorable he was, right? Exactly. He's like he is uh, as bland as they come in the suicide squad movies uh but i've seen joel kinnaman be good in other things so he he has uh, the ability it's just it's the material um viola davis as amanda waller that was just great casting yeah Yeah, and she Um, should be in more of these movies these dcu movies so fully agree uh and of course the one that i'm looking most forward to is more jai courtney as uh captain boomerang Mm -hmm. who i thought was a scene stealer in the original suicide squad Yeah, maybe the best part of that film uh maybe Um, next to harley perhaps is that harley and uh and deadshot like those three are really like what make that movie even mildly watchable so more more of them in this sequel i think that's great and then this huge cast of characters so many people are going to die in this movie (laughs) yeah a whole bunch of fodder you 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 have uh james gunn bringing his brother back in as uh, they brought in freaking weasel (laughs) the weasel yeah who was a firestorm villain who was terrible terrible you know he embodies what suicide squad's all about these (laughs) weirdos um and yeah he'll probably die horribly and it'll be beautiful to see uh, who is Flu Laborg? That's a great name, but I know Javelin because he was in uh, Who's Who. Um, that guy's going to have a story, and they're they're talking him up quite a bit. And uh, who is another one? Pete Davidson. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What his whole deal is like? I'm just whatever. He's going to die early, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's he's playing a Booster Gold villain, Blackguard, who uh, was very over the top and goofy, very 1986. Jesus. And then we have a Mongal as well. Not Mongol, Mongal, who is essentially the female version of Mongol. And yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. You think Mongol is a little bit overpowered for to be a member or be involved with Suicide Squad. But we'll see. Maybe he's uh, maybe maybe uh, he he got his groove on and this is his daughter or. His sister, who has different powers under the yellow sun, but Mongols, well, you know, one of the all-time big bads in DC. So yeah, it's, yeah we have her. It's kind of like, is he opening the door to some bigger stuff? I don't know. I mean, yeah. su- the Suicide Squad does look like, on the surface, like it's just going to be this fun slapstick, very Guardians of the Galaxy-esque movie that can be uh, like like contained in its own little corner. But it also kind of feels like it could be opening some big DC doors uh, for future films. So we'll, uh, we'll have to pay very close attention to this movie 
uh, as it's coming out. But I mean, I was, I, I that's the day one. I yeah. got to see. This. And this is where I joined the the broadcast live. And I got to say, uh, still probably my favorite overall panel as far as the interaction between the, the group. Uh, yes. James, James Gunn is just this mensch, you know, he's just such a, a great spokesperson, uh, problematic tweets aside, he's uh, done more than enough to do to to overcome those. And he did it for Guardians of the Galaxy. He was going to do it for Suicide, the Suicide Squad. I couldn't be more hyped. I just wish it were sooner. It's still going to be a ways away. Uh, but thankfully, they have finished shooting the movie. So the, that's a big positive. And the uh, it wasn't really a trailer that we got. It was more of a behind-the-scenes thing that also cut in some actual finished footage from the movie. Uh, but I counted it as a trailer for our uh, our uh, quick poll on Twitter. Survey, yeah. And uh, the Suicide Squad came in second place uh, as the uh, the favorite of the uh, DC fandom and slash DC for you viewers and listeners. Uh, it took 31% of the vote. So impressive showing for uh, the Suicide Squad. And I know that this was actually uh, my fiance Elizabeth's favorite. Uh, she mm-hmm. loved that panel. She thought it was uh, absolutely hilarious. And uh, she loved how just excited and just like genuinely enthusiastic everyone was about yeah. it. And then the yeah, footage, she said, looks like fun. It just looks like a really good, crazy slapstick action movie. So, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Suicide Squad is going to stand a chance at uh, reviving this franchise uh, after that first movie damn near killed it. <laughs> yes. No kidding. And, you know, there are rumors that another cut of that first movie exists somewhere and who knows what will happen when we get closer to the release date of this. Will it will get a HBO Max treatment? Only time can tell. But what a way to uh, just turn around the perception of your franchise uh, by just giving the free reign to James Gunn, a visionary director and and, uh, letting him play in the sandbox of the DC universe. I hope they keep him around. If this movie is as good as it looks uh, right now, I hope that uh, James Gunn can uh, basically play double duty, like jump between studios. Uh, just kind of keep this guy working. Is Taika Waititi involved in any way? Is that a rumor uh, or is that – am I just getting all my uh, franchises nah, he's, mixed up? No, nah, he's in it. They just haven't uh, shown who he's going to be yet. But okay. uh, but he is in the Suicide Squad. We will get a uh, probably just a the briefest of moments with him, I would think. Because um, okay. he's speaking of busy guys, he's he's also a, a very busy man. Uh, yes. I finally watched uh, Jojo Rabbit the other night. That movie was great. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I bought it when it came out, but I have not seen it yet. I've been waiting uh, for the right time to show my kids a uh, Hitler Hitler movie. So we'll uh, it it is hilarious. It is heartfelt, and it has a genuinely hard hitting moment near the end. Uh, one that might break you uh, a little bit because it it kind of broke me a bit. Uh, but speaking of uh, uh, breaking things, this is a uh, the next panel that really jumped out at me because uh, there there were some filler panels along the way that. Uh, and weren't really worth talking about like the stupid Chris Daughtry performance where he says, I'm a huge Superman yeah, fan. And yeah, you know, whole, whole room is decked out in Batman and uh, there's even a Deadpool who's dressed as Batman. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, that was Chris, the first, one of the first things you saw. Fan. 
he had another room. <laughs> he had another room, like his band room, and there was more more diversity among the scales and the, the statues, etc. But uh, come on, um, not, not, I didn't want to see Chris Starr to take over a half hour of the uh, yeah. panels panel. Yeah, I was I was like Gaut- this, Gautry, Sorry, I was like this sucks. I'm this is a pee break. <laughs> like, uh, and actually it was like, it might've even been a poop break. Like you could go, uh, <laughs> like, well, if you, as, if as, one as Nick it, Duke would put it, it emergency dump. dump, you know, uh, um, Marvel has their equivalent skillet is like, if, I don't know if you know who skillet is not yes. my favorite band, but they are very, or the lead guy is well, well known as a big time authentic Marvel collector. So maybe that's, that's where they were going here. But uh, I believe him that he he's a fan and that's all his stuff. But the first thing you see is a mashup, Deadpool mashup. Come on. <laughs> so, and he's sitting there saying, I'm going to play this song about Superman. I'm surrounded by Batman memorabilia right now. I'm like, shut up, Chris. Um, and then we get a, uh, a very brief uh, Joker snippet thing, uh, which was, it was fine. It was whatever. It didn't really give you anything new, but uh the well, panel. The thing about the Joker is uh, the the documentary it referred to is available for free if you have a digital yeah. platform. So go find that while it's still free, if it is still free, and watch it when you have some free time. But it's probably nothing revelatory. It's probably just like a the equivalent of a of a Blu-ray extra. Yeah, like if you're if you really yeah, it is a good documentary. I've watched it, and that's when I realized they were just showing clips from that. It was basically a, an extended trailer for it. I was like, oh. This is not an actual panel. So uh, they had to fill some time, and this was one of the ways they did it. But the next thing that they put on for us was uh, listed as a surprise panel uh, in the lineup because they they wanted to keep this one under wraps. And, of course, we were speculating all day about what this could have been. (laughs) I don't Um, remember what what my last guess was. I I don't either because once they revealed what it was, I was jump. I was frankly jumping for joy yeah. because they announced the return of the milestone imprint and a, a big one shot coming out called Milestone Returns Zero. And for those of you who don't know, Milestone was a uh, an imprint that was started by uh, several prominent black uh, writers and artists. Yeah, primarily uh, or predominantly uh, Dwayne McDuffie. And yes. Den- Dennis Cowan, but others too. M.D. Bright, Mark Bright was an artist who, another uh, very well-known African-American artist. Uh, yep. But Dwayne's dead, so yes, unfortunately, he passed away several years ago. So uh, Reginald Hudland is kind of taking. I said that wrong. Wrong. Reginald Hudlin. There we go. Is yes. taking more of the the writing type lead. But what a treat this panel was. Uh, talking about the good old days of Milestone, uh, the things to come. Uh, the impact it's had and just how much optimism there is uh, that they got a deal done with DC and that this is going to be a viable universe again, especially think about the crossover potential of static shock, which is most commercially um, well-known property. Absolutely. And Dennis Cowan uh, listening to him talk and his enthusiasm uh, for this project, just uh, it got me hyped, you know, (laughs) I was like, man, this is infectious. I love listening to Reggie Hudlin talk about it as well. Uh, they also have Phil Lamar on mm-hmm. uh, on the panel. Uh, 
which was absolutely tremendous. Loved seeing him there because, of course, he voiced Static back in the day. Imagine that. Uh, How young, you know, early 20s, Phil Lamar. Uh, but he, a, a, a con favorite and a genre favorite voice actor and actor actor. Yeah, uh, w- was kind of surprising to see him there. And Jim Lee helping out, too, uh, talking about the, the business side of things or the corporate side of things. This is very good news. Uh, it's it's huge. You know, it, it is absolutely incredible what uh, is happening here. And it opens the door to so many big possibilities for the future. Like, of course, we've got these creators coming back on, and we're going to get our first look at Milestone Return Zero at the September uh, DC Fandom. They're going to have it out uh, available for people to peruse for free, like uh, a little like, preview page of it, and I'm sure that that's going to get released to all the, the major comic sites after. Uh, but that... It's finally moving forward. You know, we've been hearing for a while now about a milestone uh, revival and some of the creators being like very, very into it. But we didn't really see like a, a ton of like forward movement. But apparently right. it's all been going on behind the scenes. And now we're going to get like the return of Icon and Rocket, which I am so excited yeah. for. And I I know they were joking about it, but I, I am kind of excited to see hardware come back. But they, they made that into a – And uh, the, the team Blood Syndicate too. Uh, I didn't hear yes. they, if they will be coming. Oh, you have to assume they'll be part of the, uh, the graphic novel. Uh, the other news is that the catalog or at least select parts of the catalog will be available on Comixology as soon as next month. That is – tremendous news and i was really hoping that some of that was going to be coming to dc universe too i'm like bring us those milestone books uh, we'll like, see we'll see like, i mean we have wildstorm on there so yeah exactly like we've got that so uh they should totally give that to us but one of the things that i think is uh is so exciting about this possibility to me is this could open the door for new creators to come into milestone and put their own spin on some of these characters um, yeah and it's also a, like a great showcase for black comics creators, both writers and artists, to 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 really shine and like to to take these characters to a new level, to take these iconic characters, if you will, one of them actually being named Icon, Icon yeah. and and do something more with them. And it, it won't just be Static Shock. Like I'm I'm excited about Static Shock coming back. Don't get me wrong, but I am more excited about Icon and Rocket. Uh, those are the two characters that I am very much wanting to see, but. I was just imagining earlier today uh, how cool would it be to see Jamal Campbell drawing some of this. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, other, I'm trying uh, to think of some other artists or writers you want to see. Uh, guys like uh, Tanisi Coates and um, God, if Tanahasi Coates <laughs> yeah could come, could come over from Marvel and take on some of this stuff, my God, it would give it so much star power. But uh, another writer that I would love to see take on, I think, uh, take on Static, would be uh, N.K. Jemison who is writing um, uh, Far Sector for uh, oh, yeah. for uh, Green, Young Green Lantern book, yeah. Yep. Which is also a book that Jamal Campbell has been drawing. Right. Uh, tremendous stuff. Brian Edward Hill seems like a natural fit for some of these characters. I think that he could do something so awesome with – give him any one of the – give him hardware. I bet he would do a killer job with that. Uh, I, I can't be – I'm so excited for this and just – it makes me happy to see uh, they're also going to have a legacy where people who didn't know about this are going to have ch- a chance to read these books and uh, 
get into the characters. And I, I hope that this is not something that ever gets diminished by DC, that the, Same. the I partnership hope. is uh, is solvent throughout. I hope we see it incorporated more into the DC universe. I hope it's not just a standalone imprint, like it can like the characters can play within the the DC universe. Because I would love to see Static and Naomi meet up at some point, just because that's a little like fan mm-hmm. cast casting mm-hmm. thing for me. Uh, and have David Walker write that because he is Naomi's co-creator. Uh, he, man, this was a such a great panel and it's a uh, it's an exciting time there's also uh the announcement that a static shock movie is in development yeah. i'm going to just keep my fingers crossed that that actually happens but take all movie announcements with a grain of salt until you see a trailer yeah and uh let's see was the black adam next after that the panel or what happened uh, after, that? Uh, after that we get to uh oh the batman voices panel sorry which was which was fun it was the, it was an, a nice little like ten minute filler thing. So it was basically uh, mystery science theater Batman, yes. <laughs> uh, kind of. It was a. Uh, it was actually the international voices of Batman. Like oh, all that the, one. Okay, I'm. Yeah, I, I'm it, talking about something else. Yeah, different panel, but uh, this was the one where we checked out all the the people who had. Uh, done the voiceovers for Batman in other languages like Italian, Spanish, uh, uh, and Korean, I think, and Japanese. Uh, you know, you hear uh, these different takes on the voice. It was kind of cool to to watch it, but again, it was uh, it was more of a space filler. Uh, go refill your drink because the uh, the next panel that was coming up was one of the most anticipated of the day. And I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way now. This was the maybe the most boring panel <laughs> of the entire day. I was sitting there just my eyes were just glazing over because it was literally like 20 minutes of Zack Snyder talking to himself. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, this was the Snyder cut of Justice League panel. I'm sorry. This sucked. Uh, I'm not sorry. I, at all, this just sucked. Uh, I, I I was bored. I was like, this is dumb. Uh, why are Why are we doing this? Why are we dropping another thirty? Why is Warner Brothers spending thirty million dollars? Spending a finish? lot of money on four hours of of prestige TV. I think it's to sell HBO subscriptions. Honestly, it but is. It is. It's absolutely that. And and man, that movement just wouldn't stop. And I, God bless you. You know, you fought for it. You feel like he was treated unfairly and that there, there may be some truth to that. Um, all the stuff with uh, Ray Fisher and uh, allegations against Jeff Johns. There, there are really complicated feelings I have about the Snyder cut and uh, God bless you. you um, won. Let's uh, um, let's hope it's not a, as bad and mismatch. I mean, at least it'll be a unified vision. Um Gosh, I don't that's, know. I just that's the know. that's the only. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. That's the only thing I can say about it. The only good thing I can really say about the Snyder Cut is watching that that trailer. I was like, this actually feels more like Zack Snyder's vision than what we got in 2017. Uh, this version of Justice League actually feels like it exists within the same universe as Batman v Superman, where the Joss Whedon 
Justice League felt like uh, such a drastic tonal shift that it was too jarring to to really get anything out of. It didn't. It was a mishmash of mm-hmm. uh, of just pure shit, honestly. And it's not uh, any one person's fault, but geez, no, it's, it was an image to move on. It was an impossible task. Like you were asking a director, like a new director to come in to finish the movie, but he had completely different ideas about, of course he was going to, he's not Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder are not the same guy. They do not see things the same way. There was no way Joss Whedon was going to put his name on something, even as a writer, if he didn't get to do it mostly his way. So it is not shocking that he reshot as much of that movie as he did. Mm -hmm. It is what is shocking is that Warner brothers just was in such a hurry to get this out that they didn't look at what they had and say, maybe we ought to take our time and wait a right. little bit. And they're so desperate to catch up with Marvel yeah, it was, and they, it was unearned, you know? Uh, yeah. Everything about justice league just, just didn't work. And that version of justice league sucks. Yes. The Joss Whedon version is terrible. The, the version that Zack Snyder is going to give us, I'm sorry. I saw the opening of that trailer and the video game CGI looking version of dark side that they put on my screen. And, um, I, I have been told that that is Uxess. That is uh, proto dark side, but come on, man, get with the Snyder Snyder cult, bro. He, he looks like what would happen if you turn the marshmallow man into stone. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it, what it, I got from that. I didn't see anything <laughs> effect wise that, made me go, ooh, yeah. there were some apparent Easter eggs throughout, but the I, second I heard the notes of Hallelujah playing over, I said, this is just, is that a, it was a bizarre. F, you, F you to people who um, Watchmen's worst scene, and Watchmen's not a bad movie, but the, nobody thinks the love scene set to Hallelujah works. Um, it, it, it's it, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's that For bad. all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is that what I, he's trying to evoke? What's what's the deal? I'm so tired of Hallelujah, and I'm a music teacher. I have to teach it all the time. Uh, why sing Hallelujah at a church service or a funeral? Or I'm not a funeral, a, a marriage. All right, I gotta I gotta stop. Yeah, take he, take uh, over for a bit. I I heard those notes to that kick up, and I was like, Are they serious? Is this what you're? This is what you're putting out? You you put this music to this. Talk about some heavy-handed bullshit, which is pretty on-brand for Zack Snyder, if we're being honest. Historically, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's the stuff in Man of Steel. I mean, I'm know, sorry, Superman v Batman, and Man of Steel. Like the the yeah. Jesus imagery was just it, it was so. I mean, there's heavy-handed done in an entertaining way, and there's heavy-handed done like this, where you can tell that he takes it seriously, because he actually had the nerve to tweet at somebody who criticized him that Right, th- yeah, that this, same day. This was a trailer for Grown Up, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this... This is for grown-ups, sure. I love that somebody responded to him with, like, pictures of the Batman v Superman action figure set. <laughs> I was like, sure, grown-ups. <laughs> um, oh, my there's, was Martha, too. Yeah, I was like, that's... That is ridiculous. That may be the stupidest thing that I've ever fucking heard. Um, and it's and it just goes to show that I don't care how much time they give Zack Snyder. I don't care what they do uh, at, from this point out. This is going to suck. 
this is going to suck. There is no way it's going to be good because Zack Snyder's vision of the DC universe is one that while I like Man of Steel and while I acknowledge that the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman mm-hmm. is a good movie, it gets a little worse every time I watch it. It's not aging well, which is unfortunate for it. But we were headed off the rails for a while there. And now you're going to get Zack Snyder fully unleashed to give you four hours of his Justice League cut. And while, yeah, it may feel more unified in its vision, it will fit more in continuity with everything that had come before it. It is still going to be just as bad as what Joss Whedon put out, but in different ways. The heavy-handedness, the like overly cartoonish CGI. I mean, yeah. This is for grown-ups, all right. Yeah, there will be uh, a lot more Flash. Um, uh, there has to be. There's four hours. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah, yep. Get ready for more Ezra Miller. Let's just hope that the constant cutting the uh, the cutting of the eyes back and forth, the shifty-eyed, uh, making horrible, horrible jokes is, uh, is a Joss Whedon contribution. Let's really hope that that's the case. Um, I, I hope there's more Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Uh, personally, I'm fine with that. Like it's, it's, it, can it get worse? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it can. And hopefully, you know what? Hopefully once this is done, all those Snyder bros will just get it out of their system. Go watch your movie, enjoy it, have yourselves a nice little circle jerk over it. And then let's move the fuck on mm-hmm. because this is not the future of the DCEU. There will be no more Zack Snyder making, uh, DC movies, the guy that even ushered in this whole Snyder Cut thing at HBO Max has been fired. They have no desire to continue on with Snyder. It's kind of shocking that he was able to push that this $30 million deal through without anybody saying, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what are you doing? And I don't uh, know, are, are we calling it an overcorrection or just why not? But to me, it's you let the fanboys win. And we saw how well that went with uh, Rise of Skywalker. They they let the most toxic uh, wing of our fandom win yet another battle. And you're right. Rise of Skywalker is an apt uh, comparison because they tried to overcorrect everything that they yep. thought went wrong. And I put that in quotes on The Last Jedi. Right. I'm going to tell you something right now. The Last Jedi was the best damn movie. It's, in it's one of it's, it's a top. Uh, well, it's, it's a top. I won't say the. It's a top half for me. Uh, the gambling horse planet stuff is weird for me, but yeah. the rest of the movie, it, it's my favorite of the new trilogy, and I really Absolutely. like the first one, but it's just kind of paint-by-numbers episode four. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, it was bold. It was a step in the right yeah. direction. Horse kitties notwithstanding. Uh, and, and then we get you know this, this angry backlash that causes the Rise of Skywalker to go in a uh, – wildly wrong direction and then when you hear about what colin trevorrow was going to do with it it's like that's fucking genius why didn't he get to make his movie oh because this other movie that he did turned out to be really bad and got poor reviews so they got scared and then they were like oh no these angry fans on twitter fuck them you know what? They're, they don't get to control what these artists do. They don't get to have the final say. That Star Wars movie was going to make a billion dollars at the box office any damn way. But 
They can't say that it was because they were scared of losing money. They weren't going to. Those angry fanboys were still going to go see that mm-hmm. movie, and they damn well knew it. That this this they're learning the wrong lessons. They're giving it to too many people. The Snyder Cut is another example of it, of toxic fandom who like blatantly and uh, unapologetically harassed female fans and female critics, uh, lobbying like lobbying death and rape threats at them. Don't tell me that the uh, the release the Snyder Cut people are completely innocent and it was just a few bad apples. Fuck yeah. that. A few bad apples spoils the bunch. Screw this movement. Everybody this movie. everybody feels bad for snacks Zack Snyder and the tragedy of his family. But absolutely. That was um, horrible. To get this happening is is kind of it feels unprecedented, but I don't know. At least it's only going to be on HBO, right? They'll maybe they'll they'll release Blu-ray DVD. And how much can this really affect Flashpoint's where everything's going? Yeah. Um, is this just going to set that up or support it, or is it going to let Zack Snyder play with his uh, play a little bit more in the uh, apocalypse, dark side world, and and that nobody cares about so far the way they've introduced it? Um, I so, really thought you were going to say, is this going to let Zack Snyder keep playing with his dinghy? Oh, oh that's <laughs> yeah. same same difference. So anyway, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna watch it. I'm still gonna watch it. I I'm sat not through, picking up HBO specifically to watch it, but I will. I'll watch I'm, it. And uh, I'm I'm already an HBO Max subscriber. I'm I sat through Catwoman. I sat through Elektra. I can sit through this. So and it and you know maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong, and this will actually be good. I'll come out on the other side of it saying, you know what? He really should have just been. Like given free reign to do what he was going to do, it was an overreaction to uh, to let him go and not let him finish the movie. Well, but they should have just pushed it back and let them. It, it was just cursed from the start because of DC corporate. We need to move on. We could we do, do a whole, another. Or, we could do we a do. four Let's, hour show on this night. on this, uh, but I'm I'm done with it. Most boring panel of the entire show. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, uh, the next thing wasn't so much a panel exactly as it was just a conversation between two people uh but the reveal of Dwayne the Rock Johnson's Black Adam movie we got our first look at what the suit is going to look like um and some uh some teaser art from the movie that looked like it was pulled straight out of the comics yeah um and the confirmation that the uh, the JSA, the Justice Society of America, will be playing a big role in the Black Adam film. Yeah, at least at least four of them, as like I understand a, it. A, a version of the JSA, uh, including like classics like Hawkman, Doctor Fate, uh, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher. Um, yeah. So Cyclone is kind of the uh, the JSA later generation uh, Ma Hunkle who has. She's not Ma Hunkle. She's, I think, Teresa. But she, you know, okay, whatever. Let's get her on screen. We need more teenage characters. Uh, Adam Smasher, we've seen on The Flash, played by uh, Adam Copeland Edge, but he's, you know, he's a, another legacy character. We were talking about Infinity Incorporated characters, and he's Nuclon from Infinity Incorporated, and who came into uh, the JSA, and so he's got ties and story to. To the JSA and the legacy aspect, Hawkman is what I am thrilled about. <laughs> oh, that's that's huge. Uh, Hawkman on screen, this but done uh, 
differently from Legends. I feel like we're going to get right. a better like effects level for it this time around. Uh, man, I hope that uh, I don't know which version exactly of Carter Hall they're going to go with, but I I'm holding out hope that it will be a little Robert Venditti inspired, mm-hmm. or maybe a little Jeff Johns in there too. That would be good. Uh, right, and and I I think that's probably where it's going to happen because this is definitely calling back to the Johns JSA and all the development of Black Adam as the anti-hero and his conduct storyline. Maybe we'll get ISIS in this movie. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, There's so much potential in that. I I mean, we've been waiting years for some some Black Adam news of some kind. And uh, The Rock is just so like man, he's never not enthusiastic about the movies that he's mm-hmm. making, but you can tell that this is a passion project. It comes through in how he talks about it and all the the planning they've been doing, trying to get it, get the movie itself and the timing of it absolutely right. And including like all these big, uh, important DC things. They wanted this movie to feel not just like a big fun action, like a big action adventure, but also like it's important to the, the bigger picture story. Um, uh, and man, I loved at the end, whenever he's putting the justice league on notice, especially that sneer he gives Superman, I was like, man, give me rock mm-hmm. versus Henry Cavill. Give <laughs> me, give me that. I, I can't. Uh, did you oh. see concept, the concept art with, uh, the wizard Shazam? Yes. That so is that was... Jaimon Hansu again, or what are they going to do? You know, I would assume that he would come back. Yeah. I mean, uh, why not? Shazam was a big hit movie, and uh, Black Adam looks like it could be uh, an even bigger role for him. I would think that he would have a huge role in this yeah, movie. Yeah, very important. Um, the thing about The Rock, one of the things, I mean, he's the hardest working man in Hollywood. Hardest Damn right. Work, he works so hard, and he promotes <laughs> everything he's doing 24-7. He has millions and millions of followers. So, you know, you're not just getting – an actor in a movie, you're getting an ambassador for the brand. You're getting uh, publicity nonstop. You said this, this is a win, 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 win. Uh, and boy, I hope story-wise they can set him up within the Shazam universe as far as something that makes sense to have a rivalry in a story. Um, it makes it, my concerns is that shazam's overly light at this point so i think the shazam franchise will have to grow up and evolve a little bit to meet uh the seriousness of this character i may be speculating here uh, just a little bit but i'm, I'm trying to reconcile the two because shazam was such a, a a wonderful film for me uh because of its tone and you know let's see let's see that growth in that franchise and that character because they're eventually going to have to uh collide uh yeah that's Black Adam is the like the villain for uh, for Shazam, so that's that is inevitable. And uh, but speaking of, like we can, I kind of want to just move on to the Shazam panel because yeah, nothing, might as well. nothing nothing really happens in the next like three things that uh, the DC fandom had. Although it was cool to see them give a, a Wonder Woman 80th anniversary celebration and debut the wonder woman 80th anniversary logo which looks really oh, great fantastic yeah you're gonna uh, see that a lot <laughs> uh beautiful logo go check that out uh and the aquaman panel was kind of cool uh seeing james wan and patrick wilson talking about uh the upcoming sequel you can feel their enthusiasm for it too uh but you don't really learn anything new on the in the panel other than they're working 
on a sequel. But the Shazam panel was a whole lot of fun. Like uh, having Zachary uh, Zachary Levi and uh, like several members of the uh, the Shazam cast, and also mm-hmm. just it. This had the most hilarious moment of the entire DC fandom to me when uh, Sinbad, the comedian yes. Sinbad, <laughs> pops up the genie in the named middle. Shazam. Yes, he pops up as the genie Shazam, and they steer fully into the mandala effect <laughs> my god oh he he kind of steals uh steals the show there and i'm not quite sure if they're joking or if it's real is he gonna be in the next movie we don't know well <laughs> That's there, the thing. there is precedent for a character or a role for him i mean especially in this lighter tone um they, they threw in Takitani, the the mascot tiger you know he's that Billy looks up to or keeps with him. But what if you, that's based on a real, again, throwing back to people who read the comics. um, And I've been reading Shazam since I was a little, little boy uh, and wondering, well, where are all these characters uh, that I'm reading about in the comics? Why aren't they on my Shazam in a motorhome TV show? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Takitani is is one of the more ridiculous things. A funny animal, a snagglepuss or something like that in the Shazam universe. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty great. But apparently, Sinbad is in the role in the cast. Maybe he'll be uh, the other role he could be is maybe the Uncle Dudley character, oh, who uh, fancies that... himself the the caretaker type mentor slash wannabe hero. So you can see uh, Sinbad maybe playing a uh, shyster type, somebody trying to get rich off of Shazam. I could. I could absolutely see that. That would work out really well. And it would say Simbad actually was in a movie called Shazam. In fact, uh, he would be in a movie called uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Fury of the Gods. Okay. Which is, which is a really cool name and evokes a lot of imagery and possible story directions for them to go in uh, for this, for this next movie. I don't know. What that may entail, I know they're they're playing it all very close to the vest. We don't actually learn much of anything about the movie at all, just that it has a sequel name and that they are moving, you know, progressively forward as they can in well, in the current situation. We we uh, need to do it. We need to get this movie made before uh, Darla becomes an adult, you know. <laughs> Shocking! She was on the panel. the The little girl that played her uh, was on the panel, and I was like, "My gosh, she hasn't aged. She's no, still, still she's still a child. little child." Like that's, uh, but yeah, they do need to get on filming this just as soon as they possibly can. I know that things are are pretty crazy right now, but hopefully within you know, hopefully within the next six to eight months, uh, we're gonna make real headway on. Uh, getting the world yeah. back into a, a state of normalcy mm-hmm. as far as like working goes, yeah. but get your bubbles set up. The NBA has shown it can work and uh, yeah, let's, let's make movies this way if we can. Uh, yeah. The, the concern, not concern fury. Of the gods definitely makes me think we're going maybe in a more serious direction. The uh, Shazam family is heavily featured. What about Mr. Mind? Mr. Mind was uh, in the, uh, Caesar, not Caesar, but the post-credit sequence with uh, Savannah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, I, I I'm foresee. Excited. 
that will not be the last we see of Savannah or uh, Mr. Mind. We will definitely be seeing them later. David uh, Sandberg, who's the uh, director of uh, the original and of the sequel, is such a fanboy of of this character, and it's it's wonderful to see someone who has such a deep love of the mythology. Uh, getting to continue making this movie. I can't wait to see how all of these characters, especially Zachary Levi and the rock together, like how that's going to work. Uh, man, ah, so much good stuff to look forward mm-hmm. to. There. It was enough to whet your appetite. And, uh, then along comes the next panel to, uh, basically completely, uh, bog the show down a little right. bit. We, we L- were, flo- bit. we were flowing <laughs> really well. And I hate to say this about, the Wonder Woman 1984 cast, but they had a 20-minute panel of them playing a game of werewolf. Not not just werewolf, but like quarantine werewolf. Like we've all had Zoom Jackbox games with our with our friends and whatnot uh, during all this, but um, it's. It really is only fun if you're actually playing it. If you're watching people do this, my God, it was, this was another moment to like take 20 minutes to go get you a snack, go get you a drink, uh, take a piss, whatever it is you got to do. But that, that was, uh, I think you put it as well as anybody could on Twitter. What did you, what did you say about it, Todd? I can't remember. It was bowling shoe ugly is what it was. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I'll have to go through my old tweets if I haven't. I believe you called it, my wife hasn't it uh, I, I believe you called it a waste of, uh, incredibly talented people. Something like uh, that. Yeah. And, and keep in mind at that point, I didn't know that there had already been the original panel. Uh, so yeah. My mea culpa, uh, I didn't I didn't know. I, I thought that was all that the panel was. I didn't know that they had already premiered the anything beyond the trailer. I didn't know they had another panel um, because that's that's how Graga was out here on the West Coast. So I assumed that that was the actual Wonder Woman panel at the time. Damn. So I've certainly uh, known since then that it's fixed. We we also we got through that panel and it was we, we forgot about the uh, representation panel. I don't think we talked we, about that yet. We did. I I am gonna kick myself for yeah. Going I'm glad we totally the, caught it. Uh, that was the uh, the boss panel. It's fantastic. I'm, yeah. Uh, man, so many like big like that. This is also where we got our first uh, actual conversation. I think with the new uh, Batwoman. Yes, she was on the panel, um, kind of made her, her debut here. And uh, trying to find find her name. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. It's Javicia Leslie. Yes. Uh, and they talked uh, a little bit about what they're going to be doing to bring her in. Uh, they did. Uh, I loved how sincere she was in talking about just the importance of taking on this character and uh, just how big a deal it was. And all the panelists were like very, very enthusiastic about her and like very uh, mm-hmm. supportive of, of her taking on this role. Um, that, that was a big one. I also loved listening to um, uh, Candace Patton yes. from the flash. I think Irish. that she, uh, yeah, she plays Iris West Allen. She is one of the absolute, she is one of the most gorgeous women working in, in television and working in Hollywood, but she also uh, happens to be, uh, one of the biggest champions for representation. And uh, 
loved listening to her talk, loved listening to her uh, tell her experience. I love listening to all of these uh, these ladies like talk about their experiences uh, being uh, being black women uh, playing in these uh, comics nerdy geeky fandoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also had Megan Good from uh, from Shazam on the panel. The the uh, grown up Darla. The yeah, who who is the grown up version? The Shazam infused Darla. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, Demaris Lewis from Titans. Yeah, um, Starfire's sister Blackfire. Who? Yep. You just showed up. She just showed up at the end of uh, Titans she, season two. So she's she'll be she'll be featured prominently in season three. Uh, she got a big chunk of the panel to, uh, mm-hmm. to talk to talk about her uh, her experiences and uh, and to kind of promote what's coming up in Titans. Like she's going to have a much bigger role in season three, uh, which means Anna uh, Diop or Diop. Uh, Jop. It's I, Jop. as I have heard pronounced. Jop. It's like almost like Jop with a J, but Jop. it's Diop. Uh, Diop. Uh, who so. plays uh, Starfire? Mm-hmm. Uh, she talked about. Uh, I think one of the most important things she talked about was the uh, the backlash to her right. casting a Starfire and how that uh, affected her uh, and her performance going forward. Uh, but I mean, it was it was crazy, you know. I remember whenever she was cast, and I was like, you know, they're going in a, a direction that I didn't necessarily expect. But if they cast her, maybe there's something to this. Maybe yeah. she's going to be really good. And she was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's one of my favorites uh, on Titans. And uh, we just had to have faith in them. It it didn't help that the early trailers from Titans perform, uh, kind of made her, Starfire, Coriander, out to look like a, uh, a streetwalker. Um, yeah. But the character is not that way. And they've definitely yeah. done a lot with the, the growth of Coriander on the show. Uh, but Anna Diop's performance is great, uh, especially in season two. Yeah, uh, her so and Donna Troy together. Donna Troy. Yep. Uh, man, that was one of my that was some of the best moments of season two is them together as a uh, kind of a private eye, like a private investigator team. Uh, just yep, great chemistry, a, great plots. Uh, I I hope for more of that in season three. I love Donna Troy and Starfire together, even though Donna Troy died i'm putting that in quotes at the end of season two season three has got to be the search for donna troy uh, or like return of donna troy uh I, I feel like that's just the show would be lesser without her too so i i expect that to be uh, a big thing but uh but yeah, yeah i ball- felt like that was just a shocking death that they threw in to because you have to have a shocking death you do and it was it was the only part of the finale I didn't like was the this weird moment where the the shocking death just kind of comes out of nowhere. And I was like, right. it's well, not Jason Todd like everybody expected. Yeah, it was like, man, this doesn't work. Like, this is just strange. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only time where I was like, man, the the writing failed the show on this one. But uh, the episode up to that point had been really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the Nightwing and Deathstroke fight. Thought that was really cool. Uh, and the all the buildup of season two, yeah, but great the Jericho well, stuff, yeah, very good. Yeah, uh, we'll see that, season three. Where where will Titans even air it for season three? Uh, HBO Max for sure. Okay, they, right. uh, they, that is uh, that's pretty much settled now that all the shows are going to migrate over to HBO Max. Uh, still waiting on them to move the first two seasons of Titans over there, but uh, it's inevitable at this point. Uh, 
the the next big thing that happened was uh, we got another video game trailer. Uh, no gameplay for this one, but we did get a, a big extended cinematic trailer for Rocksteady. Uh, Rocksteady's new uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League game that does take place in the Arkham universe that yes. they created uh, for that original trilogy. And this trailer was all sorts of funny. Yeah, I really enjoyed the character stuff. And again, it's a four-player team. Um, did they, they didn't talk about the gameplay, whether you're going to be in charge of all four at the same time, like a, an Avengers-type game. or It feels like that's what we're doing. We're moving to squadron-type games, right? You've got to play yeah. one of the four, whether you play online or play local co-op, which probably you don't. Um, but it's, it definitely is in the, uh, the Arkham universe, which is very interesting. It sounds like they're going to do uh, Rocksteady's riff on like X-Men Legends or uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance where you had a team of four that you take on missions and you can switch between the characters as you're playing it if you're playing mm -hmm. single player or you have a team of your buddies like four people playing online where you're each uh, kind of moving through the mission as your individual character and that I am anxious to see how Rocksteady pulls that off. Like what, like what direction are they going to, uh, to take that in? But I'm, I know that it's going to have uh, that big online component, but I'm also very excited and uh, just elated. I just happy that they're going to put a, a lot of focus on a single player campaign too. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what I'm going my games mostly for. Uh, it's fun to play with uh, with friends. It's fun to play with you guys sometimes, but there are other times where I'm like, you know what? I just want to I just want to do this. And and uh, uh, what a, what a cliffhanger! Well, we should talk about the team that they, sh they fo showcased too. You had the Captain Boomerang, or sorry, Boomerang, Harley Quinn, obviously, and King Shark again, uh, plus Deadshot. Deadshot. We didn't have in the uh, the movie reveal, but now we have. In the game, and it had leaked that uh, Suicide Squad was going to be the game, the other game. Um, we knew ahead of time that that was going to be, like about a week or so, you told me that oh, Suicide Squad's confirmed for that Rocksteady yeah. title. Yeah, they uh, they had announced, or they had confirmed that that was what the title was, um, but we didn't get much in the way of story. Uh, one of the... I mean, the interesting thing is in the trailer is it kind of looks like it could be Brainiac, but it could also be Starro that seems to have mm. brainwashed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I or maybe it's it, a team or, uh, yeah, it could our be our friend Robbie was talking it's a clip. So there's this, I don't think so. I think it's uh, a Brainiac or Starro, Starro thing going on. It's definitely I, I Brainiac ship. Yeah. Brainiac ship is there, but I think it's maybe Starro who is, uh, is responsible for the brainwashing of the, uh, the various heroes, including Superman, who is going to be a uh, primary target of the Suicide Squad, apparently, in this game. Um, I'm guessing that they have to, quote-unquote, kill them to release them from the uh, the mental uh, takeover that has happened of them. Um, yeah, maybe they're doing, like, nanite starfish yeah. instead of... Tristaro, you traditionally have that big starfish that covers your face, um, like a face sucker, face hugger in Alien. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And did you catch who was voicing King Shark? Uh, no, I didn't. Who was it? WWE legend or future Hall of Famer Samoa Joe. Nice. Yeah, that, I just found that out the other day and confirmed it. It is. It's very exciting that he's doing some video game that, voiceover work because he is a big time gamer. 
that that is that is wonderful casting. That is that's brilliant casting. Way to go, uh, Rocksteady. Also, uh, probably the thing that sh- like surprised me most in the trailer was they're going with the version of Boomerang who has super speed. Um, hmm. He's he's bounding around all over the place like hyperkinetic and everything. I was like, oh my god, this is. This is not Captain Boomerang. This is his son who has speed force powers. Right. Uh, that that is some deep cut stuff, folks. If you've yeah, uh, identity crisis. Yep, uh, going all the way back to that, and it's like, oh my god, he's he is going to be the version of Boomerang they go with. I saw somebody the other day say that. Oh, does he have speed boomerangs? I'm like, are you <laughs> well? Me? It makes sense. I mean, if, if for gameplay, if you're gonna, ha- you already have a shooter, right? Let's give him something yeah. different to do. So, smart of them to bring in a different version. Although he'll probably have the same kind of personality as Digger, um, who who definitely is a a dominant alpha type personality, as shown in the Suicide Squad movie. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, some of these screenshots, he looks a little younger too. But I, I like the the gameplay aspect of him flying around, and uh, it'll be good to have a Harley protagonist type game. Uh, for sure, like the, uh, and I like giving uh, Deadshot a jetpack too. Giving one of your characters the ability to fly uh, will be a new. That'll be a new game mechanic for Rocksteady to play with. I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. Um, but there's, again, just like Gotham Knights, this is a day one purchase. This is a pre-order. Got to get it. And this is uh, still a couple years away. Gotham Knights is uh, sooner, as I understand it. Yeah, Gotham Knights will be out next year. Uh, this won't come out until like 2022. So we're, and uh, as I'm reading, it's only for next gen consoles. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a PS five exclusive. So I guess, well, maybe by 2022, I'll actually have invested in one, but uh, you should register for one for your wedding. There you go. Best uh, cards. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just give me money uh, so that I can save up for the PS five in like two years. But yeah, suicide squad, kill the justice league. Uh, that's a pre-order for me. That one, looks really really fun but i mean rocksteady's got a great track record uh with their arkham games so that's uh that's one i won't feel guilty about at all um now we move on to the final panel of the night yeah let's get and to the main was, event it, this was the one that everybody was on pins and needles for because uh matt reeves was coming to town and bringing us the first footage from the batman his uh rebooted retooled a uh, year two Batman movie starring uh, Robert Pattinson in the lead role as Bruce Wayne and Batman. And of course, uh, Andy Serkis playing Alfred Jeffrey Wright from Westworld playing um, uh, commissioner, or I guess it'll yeah. be detective Gordon Jim, detective Jim. Cause uh, commissioner uh, Lub is in yes. this one. Loeb is in this one. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Colin Farrell as the penguin. Uh, uh, Are you sure? Yes, uh, that it's is been confirmed. But my goodness, uh, that unrecognizable. Is, the makeup job on him is is crazy good. Thank God uh, it's not Jonah Hill or Josh Gad. Thank, <laughs> thank the man. I hate these people with their rumors. Oh, he's short and fat. He's going to be the penguin. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Colin Farrell, amazing look. And my gosh, the the riddles and um. So much we can talk about in this trailer, and but the panel itself was great. The uh, long form interview with Matt Reeves, he uh, understands the character, he gets the history, 
There were so many teases. Aisha Tyler did a really good job. And I also like the virtual environment they were in. They were in the true dome. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that was, it was what really was fun to so, watch. It was so cool to watch this panel. And I mean, this here's the thing. This panel was not all that different from the Snyder Cut panel from Zack Snyder's. Uh, because you basically just had a director going long-winded about his vision and what he was trying to do. The difference is Matt Reeves is far more interesting. <laughs> and, yes. and he's calling out like big comic book influences on his take on Batman. One in particular had me jump to the edge of my yeah, seat. Yeah, me too. I, I stood up and put uh, my fists. Um, when Darwin Cook's yep. Batman Ego. Uh, when he said that that was informing his take on Batman and Robert Pattinson's take on the character, I was all the way up on the edge of my couch like, sir, you have my full and mm -hmm. undivided attention. Uh, this, I am in this. Uh, tell me more. I couldn't get enough. This guy gets Batman. I mean, I knew he was a good director. I knew he was a good writer from his Planet of the Apes movies, yeah, which were, I thought those were, were really good movies. Yeah, Tremendous film. But then listening to him talk, I'm like, this dude, this dude gets what I want to see in a Batman movie, at least from him talking. This is before we've ever seen anything. I haven't mm -hmm. seen any footage whatsoever. And I'm just like, OK, OK, I'm hanging on every word like this dude has is just pulling me in with every word he says. Uh, Elizabeth fully checked out because she was tired of listening to people. <laughs> it talk. was a long day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I. But this is the one I I pulled my whole family in and said we got to watch this. This is you know this is a big deal. We've been hearing about Matt Reeves Batman for years in the uh, the rundown <laughs> portions of the hard traveling fanboys and yeah. whether it would ever get made and you know it's not fully made yet. They've got enough to show us a trailer. But again, just what a great spokesman for the character in the movie. Uh, he got me excited before we even saw an iota of footage. Uh, same. Uh, like I said, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, bring bring me this. Like, I as I, I was like, I, I know we're gonna see some Batman footage. I know he's gonna bring us something. It's probably gonna be. I was expecting like the mildest of teaser trailers. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no real great footage to speak of. Holy shit! Did Matt Reeves over deliver under promised and over delivered on what we were going to see uh, because we got a full scale trailer for this movie off of only 25% of the movie being complete. Um, and we see just about everybody. Uh, we see uh, Zoe Kravitz's uh, take mm -hmm. on Catwoman, which looks really cool. Yeah. Um, we see, we don't see her in full costume yet. We do see, but we see the least, proto cat. Yeah. Yeah, we see uh, kind of an influence. Um, Paul Dano. Paul Dano's Riddler looks wildly different <laughs> yeah. from any comic book iteration that you've ever seen. And I am here for it precisely because he is doing that, that uh, like puzzle master, serial killer, very right. Seven-esque. Literally like, what I was going to say was – it is uh, the the unnamed killer from Seven, Seven Days of the Sins movie. Yeah, like if you liked Seven or if you liked uh, the first uh, Saw movie, I think that this take on, on Riddler is for you. It is certainly for me. Uh, and his his voice is creepy as hell. Uh, the that muffled mask voice mm -hmm. that he's got going on, it's, it's scary stuff. But 
speaking of scary stuff, Batman himself is freaking terrifying. Um, yeah, you, almost a low tech Batman, right? Um, yeah, uh, very much so. The the first time like, I'm, we all saw that promo shot of the side profile of mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson in the bat suit, and to me that wasn't doing the suit or like the look a lot of favors. Yeah. The, the detached cowl kind of bugged me there. Um, the, the logo, I wasn't, wow, oh, it's a gun. Okay. It's the gun that killed his parents. I get it. That's pretty creative, I suppose. But, uh, now we've seen the, the suit in action or him in the suit in action. And it's kind of electrifying. It very much was. I mean, people talk about, uh, the Ben Affleck warehouse scene in Batman v Superman is like the, the greatest Batman action scene ever filmed. Um, we don't get to see a ton of Batman action. Uh, we see quick cuts of it, except for that one moment. And the moment in the trailer, whenever I just lost it was when he beats the ever living <laughs> shit out of one of these, uh, like random thugs who people are referring to them as Joker thugs. I don't, know that they necessarily are but they are like white and black face paint Mm -hmm. uh looking like you know something straight out of the warriors um and one of them steps to batman and just gets leveled like it was a merciless beating and yeah and that line at the end whenever he says i'm vengeance his batman voice oh my god I, I it chills right up the spine. Yeah, we we see a lot more of him, you know, uh, being intimidating. He's in jail. We see a lot of the different stuff going on. But what also stuck out to me is you you see the weight of the world on Bruce Wayne. You know, God we didn't dude. see a cleaned up Bruce Wayne. We saw kind of a haggard, uh, disturbed, haunted Bruce. Uh, you also with the call with the cow off, you see the the eye black finally, which you know, generally when they take off the cow, they to make the cow work, you have to have the eye black, otherwise you look like Adam West. Yep. And uh, so so to to do that, to see that fleshed out on screen, add some credibility to it. I'm I'm just I can't wait. It's gonna be a long wait, but I have. I, I want to say I don't know that I did a 180 because I wasn't skeptical about the movie. I just I just was frustrated with DC and having well now we've got this pocket of the universe and it's not connected to this pocket of the universe. But let's uh, th- this is more about Matt Reeves' vision for the character and establishing. You know we've had a lot of Batman movies over the last 30 years. Um, just true. But I'm so excited about this because it looks like. This might be one that I uh, that can live up to Dark Knight, could live up to uh, Batman Begins, can easily surpass the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, oh, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> but not speak. Uh, I mean, it really does look like Matt Reeves found this sweet spot between what uh, what Christopher Nolan did and what Tim Burton did. Uh, he's he's got a lot of that gothic like like dark and uh almost foreboding version of gotham going on uh in his take uh but he's also got the seriousness and the uh 
some of the brutality and the trauma that came along with the the Nolan version. Uh, and the biggest thing though is that we're we're finally getting what looks like a true detective story, like yeah. a a actually going to let him solve mysteries and and yes, he's the world's greatest detective. Let's let's uh, let's let know, I know there was some Schumacher isms had that, but come on, th- those are those were movies for kids. Yeah, this is uh, Zack Snyder wants to talk about a movie for grown up. This looks like a movie for grown ups. Yeah, uh, this uh, <laughs> are they going to keep this routine? Uh, you know, they, I can't tell at this point. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that they probably should strive to keep it PG 13 if they can, but you know, this takes place in its own universes, according to, uh, uh, Walter Hamada and, uh, to Matt Reeves. So they, they could go whichever direction they want to. And I think it'll be successful because this is, this is some ballsy stuff. Uh, and our our listener poll suggests that this is indeed the uh, the biggest hit of the night because with uh, about fifty eight percent of the vote, the Batman was the winner of the uh, the poll. No surprise there. Well, also uh, we we didn't mention the music as I'm Mr. Music Guy. You have a Nirvana song in a Batman yep. trailer, and boy, did it do a great job of helping set the mood of. Uh, I I keep getting back to seven, you know that mid '90s yeah. aesthetic, David Fincher type of uh, thing. I'm I kind of I kind of want a remix of something in the way with mm-hmm. that whole orchestra section uh, and the uh, the vocal choir behind it, because uh, that mm-hmm. was you want to talk about some haunting stuff. That was that was one of the absolute best trailers I have ever seen. Yeah, um, and we weren't I've, even I, expecting it, were we? We did no. When did, when did word come down that they were actually going to do a trailer? Uh, about the day before they announced that there was going to be a trailer, like a teaser, but nobody said how long it was going uh-huh. to be or what was going to be in it. Just that we're going to get something and like you're going to get footage from the movie. So we were all like, cool, let's like mitigate expectations mm-hmm. uh, kind of low. And blown away doesn't even begin to cover it uh it is it feels like a really good time to be a batman fan again um so this this was the big winner of the night i think it's hands down uh this was the batman's uh night to shine did did the trailer show the uh the the shooting or was that a am i getting my memories mixed up the uh the, the murder of bruce's parents uh, no, we do not see the okay. uh, the murder of the parents in the trailer. Uh, I assume that we may see that in the movie because uh, Warner Brothers just can't help themselves to right. demand that that be included in every Batman movie ever. Um, so I, I would expect it to be in there somewhere, but thankfully not in the trailer. Uh, the only uh, gunshots that we see in the trailer are from like fully automatic weapons. And then at one point, Batman full on taking a bullet to the chest. Uh, you, you, you know what? Um, where I got that was because I just read three jokers two, uh, three nights ah, ago. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's all, it's all mushing. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> got shot point blank almost. Uh, so that suit's got to be pretty heavily armored. One would, one yep. would think. Uh, and uh, just a little <laughs> side note there. Three jokers. Number one was awesome. Yeah. Loved go it. get it, get it digitally or even better from your comic shop, but please read, read comics. Please. We'd be please. beg of you. 
yeah please <laughs> please read comics please please go read and, the actual books that this stuff comes from because that's why we get this stuff yeah this is where all these ideas are being tapped from from the actual comic books and uh you know, people have their ideas, their visions, but it all came from somewhere. And you, you saw storylines like uh, Max Lord versus Wonder Woman. You saw the uh, Batman ego. Everything's kind of flashpoint. You're getting adaptations, but to keep this going, you need to have support for the comics and the writers who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, who don't make a whole lot unless you're on a top tier title as a writer. You know, you're, you're selling maybe 15, 20,000 copies of a thing. For four bucks, all that money gets to go split up between. I, you know, we could listen to Ben Ben Morse's podcast if you want to hear more <laughs> about where how the money works. But you know, you got this yeah. industry full of people making money on these, but the writers and the artists need to be the ones. And it seems like sometimes the only money in comics is from people on top tier titles that are selling a whole bunch, or the creator own stuff, and then they sell it to you know they license it for a, a movie or a, a tv show anyway i i preach about that on twitter all the time you can follow me yeah. at todd weber guitar on twitter <laughs> um and you can follow me at russell underscore sellers and definitely follow uh lil low podcasts lil on low twitter podcasts. Yeah. that's at lil low podcast on twitter uh and one little little snippet just before we uh, we sign off here one little last thing uh, we've told you who the uh the first second and third place was on this uh trailer poll but we forgot to mention who finished dead last dead last and, uh, i think i know what you're gonna say i didn't vote for it i voted for batman <laughs> with a stunning four percent of the vote the justice league snyder cut comes in dead last on the highly anticipated yeah, side of things. Secret poll. Stop it. You know I'm about to have an uh, orgasm, right? And it's gonna shoot out like Oh, you fire have to put your clouds. costume on first. I can yep. only I can only make it when I'm wearing my silk specter costume, Russell. <laughs> so please tell me you have a silk specter costume. Uh no, no, no we're not gonna talk. <laughs> I have a Joker nurse costume. It's getting late. We uh, need to go. We yeah, were gonna we, do a forty-five minute show on on uh, Fandom and and we went for like an hour and forty-five minutes. Uh, so, uh, folks, this is probably gonna be the last time that we do uh, a show this long. We're gonna get this a little more under control, but uh, like. Our first episode, this one was kind of a special event. This was not part of our like regular planned programming. It just kind of happened. So here we are. But you know what, Todd? This was a blast to record. Yeah, I this appreciated, was a- appreciated being a part of the comprehensive look at DC Fandom. My goodness, yeah. what a what an event it was and what a what a fun time we had talking about it. Thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for pushing me to do it. And you know what? Uh we'll do another one uh in September after the uh the next one and we'll have even more comic stuff to talk about and uh some more tv stuff too so uh be on the lookout for that one and then uh of course go out there listen to uh all the other great shows on the little old podcast network and uh you know definitely go read comics hey uh you know september 1st is right around the corner i know there is a Lillo podcast coming on December or September 1st. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Oh, yes. Uh, 90 to nothing. The reboot 
is coming on September 1st. Uh, Sam and I are back to talk about uh, movies from the 1990s. We are a couple of uh, 90s kids. You know, our uh, our formative years were the 90s. So uh, that's the basically the premise of the show. We uh, we talk about some of our favorites, uh, some of our not so favorites, and uh, give our crazy wild eyed fan theories about each of them. That first episode. Edward Scissorhands, a movie that came out in 1990, uh, experiencing its uh, its 30th anniversary this year. So, big big year for uh, uh, for that movie and for several others that came out in '90. But this was a big one for us, and uh, we have all sorts of uh, crazy theories about this movie and how it even ties into uh, other Burton films. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that one on September the first. I think I saw a parody movie based on it once, but anyway, I have not seen the original Edward Scissorhands in a long time. I think so I'm looking a, forward to hearing it. I think I've seen a porn parody of it. Uh, but, you, uh, I didn't say that. I just said I saw parody. I didn't say it. But was, uh, they were those were not scissors on his hands. Yes. <laughs> there may be a, there may have been some scissoring in the movie, but uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. All right, there goes there goes our <laughs> e for everybody, and it becomes e for explicit. So, all right, we got to wrap this up. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast next week on Edward Scissorhands on 90 to Nothing. And um, hey, that's it from here. All right, go read comics. <laughs>